0: I didn't even have to say anything. That was impressive, guys. <laughs> Is everyone doing okay? Good, good. Hey, if, if, um, if you missed this Friday on the square, um, that was, I'm sorry, that was one of the neatest things. Uh, I, I told someone, it wasn't just one of the pinnacles of the eight years we've been doing this church. It was, it was one of those milestones, like, in my life, like one of those moments when I just sat there and I was like, wow, how, um, yeah, how neat this was. We had... They estimated 4,000 people on the square worshiping Christ, and um, man, just phenomenal to have uh, the city, uh, the the mayor of our city open us up with prayer, which by the way, Mayor Shane is a wonderful man, Um, but to have him open up with prayer and to hear worship (laughs) echoing and bouncing off the buildings and... um, So cool. Uh, One of the neat things that happened, that that video we just showed, those were people who got baptized Friday night, a couple of them. We baptized 50 people on the front lawn of City Hall. And uh, as we were doing it, as as we were about to start, uh, David Young, Pastor David Young from North Boulevard Church of Christ was standing next to me. And um, he's got his PhD from Vanderbilt, so he's kind of smart. But uh, (laughs) he uh, he was standing there talking to me, and he's a big history buff. And he goes, hey, you know where you guys are about to do baptisms over here? He goes, you know, that tree that you're doing it by, that's the tree where they used to do lynchings in Murfreesboro. That's where all the lynchings took place, that tree. And he said, how ironic is it that an instrument of death is now going to be the place that shades all these people coming to life. And uh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool and pretty powerful. So uh, it was a really, really, really neat night. Um, it's neat to talk about all the people who showed up. It was neat to get all the uh, you know, city officials, and um, it's neat when the mayor's office calls you and says, hey, tell us how many baptisms you guys had so we can tell the rest of the city officials that, and um, it was a really, really neat night. Uh, the neatest part about that night, again, though, is the fact that we do baptisms. This is the most important number. This is the most important stat or whatever that we keep up with. It's great to have 4,000 people in a square, um, but to celebrate that so far this weekend, I think we have 87, including we've had a couple of people at our our Woodbury campus today get baptized as well. So 87 people so far uh, have made a public statement that they are following Jesus Christ. And that is a number, that's a number worth bragging about. It's a number worth celebrating, it's good. Now, now here's my goal today. So after every single worship service, we do a weekend of baptisms. Some of you in this room have heard this message a hundred times, right? You've heard it a lot of times, but it is so vitally important. And here's my goal today. My goal is this. If you came into this room and if you were maybe uh, baptized as an infant or as a child and it wasn't a decision that you made on your own, if you are in here and you are not a Christian, but, but maybe something today prompts you to accept Christ, to ask God to forgive you of your sins and you wanna get baptized, um, or if you've been a Christian here for a while and you just haven't made this step yet, my goal today is to give you some evidence from the Word of God to show you some evidence of why you should consider this, why it is such a big deal, why it's such a milestone in our faith, right? And in our walk with God, okay? So that's my goal today, that's what I hope to do. And so um, we'll pray. You should have a notes handout in front of you. If you have your smartphone, the Uversion app, if you click on the bottom right button, I think it's more, and then click on events. It has everything on there. It even has it in Spanish. And um, so if you want to click on that, everything is taken care of, and we're good. I'll tell you a fun story before I pray. So uh, uh, I sported the pineapple shorts on Friday, which were, which were quite, quite, quite glorious, right? And um, about a week after I bought the pineapple shorts... <laughs> I went back to Old Navy because I, you know, I felt like I had a win there with the shorts, and I went back to Old Navy, and they had a sale on tank tops, right? Which, I, I, I don't have like a tank top body, but I'm going to Florida here pretty soon, and I'm like, I don't know anyone down there, so I'm going to sport the tank tops because it's going to be hot. And so I bought five because they were on sale, <laughs> and they only come in like um, patterns that are not tip- typical of my style. This is my style, right? Just black, uh, and so I get, like, these tank tops, and um, I said, to heck with it. I'm going to wear one while I'm setting up the stage on the square with Kyle. And so I'm out there, like, you know, setting up the stage, sporting my new tank top. Um, and my wife, I got home, and she goes, you didn't wear sunscreen, did you? And I was like, no. And I, I used to have, like the, the, like, the Epic Farmer's tan. Now I have, like, the Epic Tank Top Sunburn tan. Hopefully it will eventually tan. But um, that's the story. That's it. So, uh <laughs> I'm getting more adventurous in my clothing, so um, (laughs) let's pray, right? Lord Jesus, God, I just thank you so much, Lord. What a great weekend we've had. Uh, God, thank you so much. Thank you, Lord, for a city and a mayor that would allow this to happen. Thank you, God, for the different businesses on the square that supported us and got with us on that, God. Thank you, Lord, for all the people who came out. Thank you so much for the, the 87 people who've been baptized so far. This weekend, God, we pray, Lord, that you keep your hand on every church in our community. We pray, God, that it's not about our church or about our event, Lord. This is about making your name as visible and as clear as it can possibly be in our city. And we just thank you for that, God. Lord, for everyone today that decides to get baptized, I pray that you bless them and protect them. God, for those who are in this room right now and maybe right as I'm praying, they're on the fence about this. God, give me the wisdom today to teach in such a manner that will hopefully persuade some people uh, to take this step. God, we love you, we thank you, we praise you and we honor you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, so what is baptism? Most of us know it's when someone gets into a body of water It's some kind of religious ceremony that people do. Here's what it really means. Baptism is a public and symbolic display that one has become a Christian. It's that simple. This is us getting in. There's a lot of symbolism to it, but it's also us saying to the community around us, to the witnesses who are watching, I am choosing to follow Jesus Christ. As the Bible says, this is where we become a new person. This is where the Bible says we become a new man or a new woman. This is where we are brought to life. The way I think about the baptism ceremony is I think of it like a marriage ceremony. So baptism is not your salvation. Baptism is a representation of the fact that you have been saved. Just like a wedding ring, right, my wedding ring, this is not my marriage, but it's symbolic of the fact that I belong to someone. Just like that symbolizes that you belong to Jesus Christ, okay? So what baptism does is it identifies us as being Christians. It's the most visible, evident, tangible thing that we can show people that we are in the family of God, okay? It also marks a turning point. Now, let me explain what that means. When we give our life to Christ and we ask God to forgive us of our sins, that should be kind of a monument, a milestone, right, where our life takes a turn. Our life takes another turn when we publicly profess through baptism that we are following Jesus Christ. This should be a landmark in our relationship, and in our walk with God, and we should live differently after this, okay? So Paul says this, and I'm gonna jump around a little bit today, which is not typical of me. We typically break down whole books of the Bible, right? But I'm gonna jump around a little bit. Paul says this, having been buried with him in baptism, you are also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised Jesus from the dead. So the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the same Holy Spirit that is activated in us, and baptism is a part of that process, okay? Neat stuff. So what I hope to do, like I said, is to give you guys some evidence on if you're on the fence about this, you're considering it but you haven't made up your mind yet, I hope to give you some evidence to kind of push you in the direction of taking this step. The first piece of evidence is this. Jesus Christ set the example for us when it comes to baptism. Now, if you were with us through the book of John, which we spent many, many months on, right? At one point in the Gospels, Jesus comes onto the scene. He's about 30 years old, and he's going to start his ministry, right? And so what he does to start his ministry is he is going to completely change the way that people are reconciled or people are saved with God, okay? Now, before Jesus came onto the scene, if you go back into the Old Testament, it was a very arduous process to be saved. That doesn't mean that it wasn't available to everyone or that people couldn't do it, but it was quite a process. You'd have to get a spotless animal. You'd kill it. You'd pour the blood on an altar. You would burn certain parts, discard certain parts, eat certain parts. It was, it was a pretty rigorous ordeal. Okay, And so this went on, and all that did is it didn't forgive your sin. It pushed your sin forward for a year, and then you had to do it again. So for thousands and thousands of years, humanity's sin had accumulated to the point to where Jesus was, Jesus comes on the scene and Jesus was going to become the ultimate sacrifice. When he shed his blood, it was going to be done, right? All the debt of the past, all of the sin and the shame and the guilt of the past would be taken care of. And then all of the sin and the guilt and shame of the future, as long as we ask for the blood of Christ to cover us, as long as we ask for God to forgive us, it's all taken care of in the future. So he came to change all of that. Now, when that started, it started with baptism. So Jesus is walking towards the Jordan River, and there was a guy named John the Baptist. He baptized a lot of people. And John would be out there day after day preparing people for Jesus Christ. That's what he was doing, preparing them. And so Jesus goes into the Jordan River one day, goes up to John the Baptist, and he says, Hey, I need you to baptize me now. And you can imagine, John knew who Jesus was. He's like, uh, you're God, right? Like, maybe you should be baptizing me. And Jesus says, no, that's, that's not what we're going to do. And this is what he says. Jesus said to John, it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. He is coming to set the example. So John said, okay. So he takes Jesus baptizes him. And as Jesus comes out of the water, the sky opens up. The Holy Spirit comes down and rests on Jesus. And we hear the audible voice of God say to Jesus, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. So what we see is this. Jesus didn't have to be baptized. He didn't have any sin. He didn't do anything wrong. He was perfect. He didn't have anything to repent for. But Jesus got baptized not because he had to. He got baptized to set the example for us. So what we see out of Jesus is Jesus will never ask you to do anything he hasn't already done himself. He sets the example. He paves the way, and then we follow that example. Not only does he set the example, we also learn that baptism makes God smile. It says that he looked down on this and said, that gives me a lot of joy. This brings me great joy. Okay. so Jesus sets the example, and then when we follow that example, there is an activation that takes place in our spiritual life. Now, let me see if I can explain this. When we come into a relationship with God, all of us in this room, a relationship with God is not one prayer or even one baptism and we're done. A relationship with God is a lifelong process. And as we move through this process of being set apart for God and set apart by God, the fancy word for that is sanctification, as we're set apart for Him, different decisions that we make along the way activate promises that God has for us. One of the most important promises we'll talk about here in a second is in Acts chapter 2. And this is what it says. It says that when we combine repentance, which means we ask God to forgive us of our sins and we turn and go a different direction, when we combine that with being publicly baptized, when we profess our faith in him through baptism, the Holy Spirit is activated inside of us. It's like when you take vinegar and baking soda, right, and you put it together, there's this chemical activation that happens. There is a spiritual activation that takes place in us when we combine repentance of sins and baptism. Where do you get that from, Corey? Well, let me show you, right? So as we get into the book of Acts here in a couple of months, which is gonna be a lot of fun, there is some crazy, crazy stuff in the book of Acts, and it's gonna be a lot of fun to talk about. As you get into the book of Acts, it comes right after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, okay? When you get into the book of Acts, the birth of the church happens right at the beginning of this book of the Bible. Now, what the the context of the story is, Jesus has died on the cross, He rose again, and after he rose again, he spent about 40 days teaching his disciples. They were in an upper room. He was the resurrected Christ, and he was preparing them to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to go out and change the world. So as this 120 people were up in this room, Jesus has ascended, he's gone to heaven, and they're just sitting there waiting, right? They're like, okay, we don't know what to do, but here we are, they're waiting. And it says in the middle of them praying one day in the upper room, It says in Acts chapter two, I think verse four, that the Holy Spirit comes in like a rushing mighty wind. It fills all of the Christians who are up in this room. They pour out onto the street. They're speaking in tongues that they don't know and they're proclaiming the gospel and they're shouting and they're worshiping. And a bunch of the Jews are kind of like walking around. They just went to Starbucks and they got their breakfast burrito and they see all of these Christians that didn't exist. That was just, I threw that in just to make it relevant to today's times. So they're walking around and they see all the Christians acting just 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 wild at nine o'clock in the morning. And they're like, Man, are they drunk or something? Or what, what's going on? That's what the Bible says. And so Peter sees that there's they're, that they're watching this. And he gets up on a rock or a ledge or he gets above the crowd and he says, No, 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 they're not drunk. There's nothing wrong with them. Let me tell you what's going on. A long time ago, our prophets told us that God was going to pour out his Holy Spirit, and that's what's happening right now. Now, let me tell you how that happened, Peter said. He said that God sent his only son, Jesus. We followed him. I was one of his followers. He lived for 33 years, and you guys had him crucified, but he was the son of God, and we need to repent. And they said, okay, we believe you, Peter. They actually like bought it, right? They said, well, Peter, what do we do? We believe everything you're saying. We believe the gospel. And this is what Peter told them to do. Probably the most important sermon in the Bible except for the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus. This is what Peter says. He says, the first thing we do when we respond to the gospel is we repent for our sins. We ask for forgiveness. And then we are baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And when you have repented, when you're baptized, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Peter says, this is a promise for you, for your kids, for all those who haven't even heard that yet, as many as the Lord our God will call. And it said that Peter continued to teach them. He testified, which means he probably told them stories about all the things Jesus had done in his life. He probably even talked about when he denied Jesus and Jesus forgave him. And he told the crowd, be saved. Be saved from this corrupt generation. So this is very important. Those who accepted the gospel, the message about Jesus, were baptized. That's simple. Those who accepted the message were baptized, 3,000 people in one day. They went from 120 to 3,000 people in one day. Now, if I tell you that when you repent and you are baptized, that there is a spiritual activation that takes place, so many people are afraid of the Holy Spirit. They love Jesus. They love to talk about God. they're, They're terrified to talk about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me tell you this. If it is in the Word of God, you don't need to be afraid of it. We need to be educated on it because Paul said, don't be ignorant concerning the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So it's not us that we need to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. We need to be educated about the Holy Spirit. So here's what I encourage you to do. If you've repented and been baptized, I encourage you to read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Take you 10 minutes. And it's fun stuff. It's exciting stuff. But these are gifts That God has given us to advance his kingdom, for us to grow in our relationship with him and to lift each other up. We don't need to be afraid of him. We just need to be educated by this activation. Okay, next part. So another piece of evidence that I want to present to you is the fact that Jesus simply tells us that we need to be baptized. Now, as Christians, we call ourselves Christians. That word means a follower of Jesus Christ. When we accept the role of follower, that means that our leader leads. I know this is like kindergarten stuff, right? But we have a hard time with this. We're naturally rebellious and we don't want to follow because all of us want to lead. But when we call ourselves Christians, we're following Christ. Now here's the thing. I cannot explain to you everything about baptism. There's lots of things that I don't know in the Bible how to explain all those things, why God did it the way he did. But I know it is imperative to do what this book says. Can I explain to you everything about this book? I'm doing my best, but no, I can't. But I can tell you that to follow that book is imperative. So sometimes we need to stop debating God and just do what he tells us to do. Now, if you get into the book of Matthew, one of the gospels, the last thing that Jesus told his disciples to do before he ascended into heaven, the last thing he did is he gave him the vision statement for Christianity. Jesus was very clear. He goes, here's the three things I want you to do. I want you to make followers of me, disciples. I want you to baptize them, and I want you to teach them everything I've taught you. That's it. This is all Christianity is supposed to do. We weren't called to, like, have rock shows and write books. We weren't called to do any of that. Those things aren't altogether bad, but Jesus said, make followers, baptize them, and teach them. That's what I want you to go do. So that's what we are instructed to do. Jesus goes on to say in the book of John that if you love me, you'll do these things. So whenever we are constantly debating with God, God's like, look, if you say you love me, just do what I'm telling you to do. On a side note, guys, listen, because we try to follow the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. If you get baptized in here today or anytime in this church, We will give you a packet. We will get your information, and we do a class, I think it starts in two weeks, that is the basics of Christian theology. We'll tell you how to study the Bible. We'll tell you how to do apologetics. We'll walk you through all of that for nine weeks in the hopes that we will not just leave you hanging, that we will continue to teach you and lead you and help you as best as you can in your walk with Christ, okay? Okay, so another piece of evidence. If you decide to get baptized today, baptism symbolizes a couple of different things. It it symbolizes uh, symbolizes us dying to our sin, and it symbolizes us raising again. So we are identified with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. One of the neatest things about the Christian faith is the Christian faith, and specifically baptism in the Christian faith, symbolizes a fresh start. I don't know if that means anything to anyone else in this room, but when you've made as many mistakes as I have, the idea that I could be made clean, the fact that, listen, we're still going to have junk that we're going to have to deal with outside of these walls. I've told so many people this weekend that were getting baptized, look, just because you're getting baptized doesn't mean your job's not going to suck anymore or whatever, right? There's still going to be issues out there. But when you come out of that water, if you've truly asked God to forgive you, you are square with your Creator, That is the coolest thing. You have a completely blank slate with God, right? And for those of us who've made some pretty monumental mistakes in life, that's pretty neat, right? So here's the thing. When you get baptized, you're still going to have struggles, right? You're not going to come out with a six-pack and no allergies. Like, there's still going to be issues you have to deal with. (laughs) That'd be great, wouldn't it? Get baptized, like, weekly, right? So here's, (laughs) here's the thing about baptism, though. When we go through the baptism process, we still may have struggles, but we are not slaves to those struggles. We can overcome those struggles. We have the Holy Spirit to help us move past those struggles, okay? This is how Paul phrases it. He says, are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we're buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we may walk in a new way of life. That you are not the same after this process. You're a different individual. Are you perfect? No, but God is bringing you to perfection. He's working you in that direction. You're moving down the right road. For we have been joined with him in the likeness of his death. We will also be joined with him in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self is crucified, so that sin's dominion over the body may be abolished. We're no longer enslaved to sin because a person who has died is freed from sin's claims. We are new, we are different, we are set free. So when we pray for you up here, we will also pray Jesus's name over you. Now, here's kind of a, and this may not mean a whole lot to some of you, but it does to me. I came from a certain denomination and they're good people and I love them, but we were taught that if I was baptizing someone and if I don't get the exact words correct, that their baptism is irrelevant. I don't believe that. Here's the thing. If you have asked God to forgive you of your sins and you genuinely get into that water because you want to make a public statement about your relationship with Jesus, there is nothing I can say that can thwart your salvation. There's nothing I can say that can wreck your baptism. That is a moment between you and God. I'm just honored to be the one to hold your hand with you and pray with you, okay? Now... After saying all that, I'll also say this, when I baptize you or whoever baptizes you, we will pray Jesus's name over you because it is important for you to know whose identity you are adopting. I want the last thing you hear before you go into that water to be his name because that's what you're going to be labeled at from here on out is is a follower of Jesus Christ. That is going to be your label. Now, identity is a big issue. In our day and age where we are so confused about identity and we're, so, we're just so messed up and off track when it comes to identity, the Bible says this, for you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you who have been baptized into Christ have put Christ on like a garment. There is no Jew or Greek, no slave or free, no male or female, no black or white, no Democrat, no Republican. We are all one under Jesus Christ. Our identity is found In him. And we live in a culture that is so, again, confused with identity. We identify with our sexuality, or we identify with our money, or we identify with our popularity, or we we identify with our sports team, or we're trying to find our identity in all of these things. And Paul said, That's not where your identity is found. You are made in the image of God. And when we become Christians, your identity is found in him. That's where we find our identity, and when we find our identity in Jesus, everything else seems to work out. Everything else seems to pan out, okay? Okay, so the last question, do you have to? Do you have to do this to go to heaven? Okay, so I used to end this with a big story about, you know, from the book of Acts. I think it's from the eighth chapter or tenth chapter about the Ethiopian eunuch getting baptized. And there's several other stories, they're just really great baptism stories. Josh and I were talking about this not too long ago, though. And, and, and how we wanted to end this is I kept asking myself, when one hears about Jesus, when one listen, when one understands that God came to earth died for our sins because he loves us, not because he had to, but because he loves us so much, when we understand that no matter what we've done, we can be forgiven, that we can have a fresh start, how do we respond to that? In a very basic way, what do we do when we accept that Jesus is the Savior? What do we do? Here's the thing. The first thing we must do when we know that God is everything he says he is, when we accept that Christ is our Lord and Savior, that's our very North American terminology, right? I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Once we've done that, the first thing we have to do is we have to repent. Now, when I say repent, I'm not just saying that we go, God, I'm I'm really sorry. True repentance is a heartfelt sorrow. It is acknowledging that we have rebelled against the Creator. It is acknowledging that we have fallen short, that we are depraved. That's what we do. And am I praying guilt and shame over you? No, 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 that's not what I'm doing. But when you've fallen in love with someone and you realize you've offended them, there should be this deep remorse for that offense. Then there should be a desire to change. I don't wanna keep offending this person I love. I wanna live differently. I wanna please this person. I'm talking about God, right? So not only should there be a sorrow about what we've done, there should be a desire to change. There should be a denial of self. God, it's no longer my will, it's your will. It's no longer what I want, it's what you want. That is repentance, guys. That is repentance, walking a different direction. After that, we need to know that we are getting into a relationship. God is not like a one and done God, right? Well, I prayed once when I was 13. You should be praying more than that, right? More than one time. It's not just getting baptized, throwing the wedding ring on and being like, all right, see ya. That's not the way this marriage works. We need to know that we're getting into a relationship, which means we talk to God. We trust him on a on a day-to-day level. We are active in communicating with him and listening to him and coming to church and reading the word of God. It is a complete surrender to him. He is now our husband, right? We are connected to him intimately. And then every single time in the Bible, every single time someone gave their life to Christ in the New Testament, they were baptized. It is a response. It is the outward profession of the inward work that has been done. Does baptism save you? No. Neither do works. Works and baptism are a response to salvation, but they can't be divorced because faith without works is dead. And I would say repentance without baptism is kind of the same thing, that these things are married, that one is a response to the other. So the problem we have in our culture, the problem that even Christianity, what we've done right now is we've become such an entitled and selfish people that we expect the very least that we can put into something, right? And so here's the thing. If one understands the weight of sin, If one understands that that God had to give his only son to be brutally murdered for us, if we understand that, if we understand, Patrick and I were eating lunch the other day and I don't know where it came from, but I was looking at him and I was like, Patrick, isn't God so good that no one knows the darkest parts of our heart? When we understand that God has forgiven even the things that we've done that no one knows, when we understand his grace, when we understand forgiveness, we will start to approach God with humility and with obedience. But when we find ourselves asking how little we have to do to please the Lord, do I have to do it? When we find ourselves in those states, there's a big heart issue that we have. There's a problem. So if we've heard the gospel, if we have believed that Jesus Christ has died for our sins, resurrected on the third day, has poured out his Holy Spirit on all those who will accept it, if we believe that, that he loves us more than anything, our questions will not be centered around, do I have to? Do I have to do that? I hate that question. Do I have to get baptized? I don't care if you have to or not. You should want to. When we understand the grace that has been poured out for us, anything that pertains to Christ, our attitude should be, God, what can I do for you? you've done everything for me, and you didn't have to, but you wanted to, that's the kind of heart we should have. So if you are in here today and you are on the fence, I just want to ask you, if you have to or not, guys, quite honestly, I don't know and I don't care. I think there's a bigger question. Why would you not want to do this? If you know that it brings God joy, if you knew that Jesus did this to set the example, If you understand grace, if you understand forgiveness, why would you not want to make your faith public? Why would you not want to do this? That's not to guilt you. It's not to make you feel bad. That's that's not why I'm doing this. But I want to encourage you in eight years and baptizing thousands and thousands of people, I have not baptized one person yet that regretted it. They just come out of the water and they're just like, eh, I've never done that, right? (laughs) That has never happened. come out smiling and I hear stories about this turning point in their life and I hear stories about God setting people free and there's nothing magical about those waters guys it's just the step we take to make it public that we're following him God just honors that he honors it and he'll honor you and he'll bless you if you decide to do it so here's what we'll do up here through these doors over here to my left your right There's clothes, there's every size you can think of. There's shorts and shirts to change into. There's bathrooms you can get changed into. They'll have you fill out a card. That's not so we can like, you know, send it into corporate headquarters. We don't have a corporate headquarters. Um, (laughs) It's not so we can, it's so we can keep up with you, right? We're not gonna spam you or text you at two o'clock in the morning or anything like that. You know, unless we just wanna play some pranks on people. But we will call... (laughs) you, and we'll keep in touch with you, and we'll follow up with you. We'll tell you when our foundations class is. We'll do everything we can to just help you along your road, but you can take care of that there. We'll come over here. We'll baptize, and uh, it'll be great, right? We'll pray with you. We'll make sure everything's taken care of for you, right? So here's what we'll do. There's communion all around you. If you've asked God to forgive you of your sins, you're welcome to take communion, the bread and wine that symbolizes the body and blood of Jesus. If you're on the fence about this whole baptism thing, all I do is ask you to pray about it. Pray about it, but if you feel like the Lord is pushing you this way, you need to do what the Lord tells you to do, okay? Come right up here and we'll take care of you, all right? And paparazzi, you can get right around the blue if your family member's doing that thing. Take all the pictures and we'll take pictures and it'll be, it'll be a good thing, okay? Lord Jesus, Father, you're so good. God, a lot of us are so tired in this room right now, but it's such a good tired, God. It's a good way of being worn out. Father, Lord, I just wanna pray for everyone in this room who is thinking about this right now. There's some people in this room right now, God, they're just anxious, they're nervous about it, and I I believe that they feel you, but maybe they're trying to talk their way out of it. God, encourage them, help them, Lord. Help them make this decision, God. It's a big deal, Lord, and it's a good move. And we just thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to get to do this. Lord, thank you for your son that died on the cross for us. Thank you, Lord, that we can take communion and remember what you've done for us, Jesus, the sacrifice you made for us, the resurrection, God, your Holy Spirit, we thank you. God, if there's anyone in this room who is not a Christian, I just pray that something today maybe inspired them or encouraged them or at least made them intrigued to where they'll dig a little bit deeper. Lord, we love you and we thank you, God, and we praise your name. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I love you guys to death. If you want to help yourself to communion, it's all around the room. If you want to get baptized right over here to my left, your right.